Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today I'm talking to Aubrey Levy, the VP of Content and Marketing for The Score. Aubrey, thanks for joining the show. My pleasure, Mitch. Thanks for having me. If you're not familiar with The Score, I don't know where you've been. They have one of the biggest YouTube channels uh, of any publication in esports. It's one of my personal favorites as well. 1.28 million subscribers as of recording. So I'm going to run through some of their uh, recent content just to give you an idea of what they cover. It's esports moments. Top 10 Valorant plays was an episode in the last 24 hours. Highlights of top streamers and some really in-depth commentary. Can't tell you how many times I've been scooped on a story I'm working on by a score <laughs> video. Uh, it, that's very flattering. Thank you. In fact, most recently with the Rainbow Six drama, I was talking to a bunch of people. I'm in Vegas and uh, there was some issues with Ubisoft, Luminosity dropping a roster. And I was you know, compiling stuff, talking to people. And then the score released a video and they talked to everybody involved. I was like, all right, it's we have that now. So I don't need to write this story anymore. But... Well, sounds sounds like sounds like we should probably have a conversation about how we get you to join our roster um, and can help alleviate some of the legwork we have to do. Well, I'm always I'm always interested. My background's in broadcast. I studied sports broadcasting in school before making the switch over to esports. So I really enjoy the the video format that y'all create and the video journalism. Nice. Sorry, I wanted to say, so, you know, it's been a very successful channel for a long time. And like most esports entities right now, seeing a large increase in viewership. Can you share some of the metrics that you've seen over 2020 and just this wacky year that we've had uh, and how that's impacted viewership on the score? Yeah, so um, we've uh, been fortunately on a, a really nice growth. I'll talk about pre this uh, crazy time that we're all kind of living through. And then I'll talk about the, the past month or two. But um, prior to uh, the world kind of being thrown off its axis with the, the COVID situation, we were experiencing fantastic growth on the channel um, year over year. Uh, I think for uh, you know the recent numbers we put out, which were um, RQ2, uh, which ran through February, we were up 92% on our YouTube channel viewership year over year. Um, so... Uh, the guys have really done an amazing job finding a groove with our content series. And it's uh, a total testament to the team that all of the hard work they've done um, coming up with these franchises, ideating around these franchises, um, uh, and basically building uh, an audience around it has been, has been paying dividends. And we've been able to see our growth continue to rapidly ascent. Um, and then uh, coming into... Um, this period where uh, much of the world has kind of been put on pause around uh, dealing with coronavirus. Um, I mean, number one, our objective was, okay, well, let's make sure uh, organizationally, team-wise, everybody's healthy, safe, um, uh, and uh, uh, as a starting point, right? And then B, how do we kind of maintain our operations um, as best as possible through this period? For us, with our guys, our, you know, a ton of credit to the organization overall, but uh, I'll speak specifically to our esports guys. They uh, adapted very seamlessly to remote work, work from home. Um, we got them all set up to be able to shoot and produce um, at home, uh, edit at home. Um, uh, I think some of our guys would say they've actually found some efficiencies um, being able to stay in their apartment, but uh, 
uh, anyway, so we're able to make the seamless transition happen so that we weren't, we didn't have to lose any cadence or output, which was fantastic. Obviously, we had to change some formatting um, to adjust for, for working from home, but we were able to continue to output the same amount of content we had before. And what we saw was, um, you know, in this time, uh, everybody is, is indoors, everybody's at home, um, and not unique to us, but video content, esports and gaming content has grown in viewership. Um, more people are uh, on their phones and, and computers watching. So we've experienced that as, as well. Um, I think the guys have done a fantastic job, um, not just adjusting, but making sure that, that they're, all, they're producing the same top-level coverage as we ever have. And you know, so we saw some really nice increase in viewership in March. And, and from our perspective, um, I think we did north of 23 million views um, in March, which was a, a, a huge month. For us, um, even relatively compared to the growth that we've been experiencing, um, but I think, awesome. it, it, yeah, it's fantastic. And I think, but the biggest point for us is that we're just honestly, I'm happy and grateful that our guys are safe, healthy, able to produce this, and that we can serve in whatever small part of this puzzle that we do to help provide some some entertainment um, and maybe a distraction for a lot of people who are uh, at home. Um, you know, dealing with this challenging circumstance that we're all living through, you know, look, if, if we can help be part of that solution that, that provides a little, a little levity, a little entertainment in their day, then, um, then great. We're, we're hopefully servicing in a very small way, uh, a bit of a greater good. Yeah. I've been very thankful for esports during this time to have some escape. I'm like many people in esports, both a sports fan and an esports fan, well aware of the scores work before I got into esports and it's been really nice to still have the competitive outlets to look forward to competitions on the horizon uh banter with other esports fans around it I've been very thankful to have that and to thankful to have all the content that comes with that because watching sports tv these days has just been almost impossible to watch just given the the circles they're running around or the just absolute horrible takes on MJ's last dance, whatever it is right now. <laughs> I have never seen so much shoulder programming in my life as around that documentary. Um, yeah. I mean, look, I think everybody and, and us on our sports business too. I mean, we, everybody is trying as, as, as to whatever degree they can to uh, keep their sports audience engaged. Um, unfortunately in the sports world, there's, there's nowhere near the same source material to leverage as there is in esports because there's nothing happening. Right. So, uh, esports has shown to be a really kind of, um, a, a certainly a surge in interest around it, right? In large part, I'm sure, because it's bringing in new eyeballs for people uh, who would have otherwise been watching traditional sports. Yeah, it definitely has. And that's been, you know, one of the cool things to say. I just yesterday published a podcast with Manny Onicle about the viewership across all of the different esports events that appeared on TV and how successful iRacing has been and how unsuccessful some of the esports events like EMLS and Rocket League were on ESPN and on FS1, respectively. Uh, so it was a little interesting to see, you know, just how viewership has been impacted on that front. Uh, but it's a really interesting case study from an esports perspective of, okay, what when there's no sports on, how well do esports do on broadcast TV? And, you know, this is pretty unprecedented data at this point. iRacing being a very small esport prior to COVID, now drawing over a million viewers pretty consistently yeah. for each broadcast. 
Yeah, it, wild, right? Like it, it, even I mean, prior to COVID, like the it, you know, it's been a couple of years now that linear broadcasters have been trying to reach younger audiences by programming esports, and uh, you know, questionable results. Um, there's a fundamental strategy question about do young esports audiences actually care to watch esports on linear, right? Um, but now it with, needs to be no, generally. <laughs> yeah, correct. But but it, you, you get why the linear broadcasters um, try it, right? Uh, but yeah, in concept, um, it's not a native viewing behavior for this audience. You're not going to necessarily have... It's going to be a challenge to pull them off of uh, a streaming platform or a digital platform to a linear platform. But yeah, I mean, the emergence of some new sport types like e-racing, i-racing, it's... Uh, it's fascinating and it will be very interesting to see how these sustain and, and which ones of these continue to grow and build um, even when the world kind of comes back to normal. Yeah, that was a big focus of our podcast yesterday was just, okay, what sustains after this and what's really a flash in the pan? Like the NBA 2K players tournament, it was interesting to watch, but you can't imagine they're going to you know, do that again when they can actually play basketball. So just an interesting little case study there. But I uh, also want to talk about some of the brands that have come with this. I've talked to quite a few esports organizations who have said, yes, we've seen a ton of new brands coming to us over the last month just because, hey, we were counting on March Madness or the NBA playoffs or the Masters, what have it, to connect with this audience. And it's not possible anymore. So... Have you seen that from your front as well? You're the VP of marketing. Have you seen an uptick in brands coming or a different group of brands than you may have been used to in the past on uh, previous business deals? Yeah, it's, it's actually, it's, 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 it's a fascinating time for those conversations now as well, right? I mean, we, so our traditional sports business uh, where, we, where we have the Score Sports app, um, it's a sale, that, that's a, a sales supported business, right? That's all ad supported. Um, and like a lot of traditional sports, uh, media properties, yeah, we had, uh, we, ha we have a lot of big advertisers, um, lined up around, I mean, we have evergreen ones and we have big event focused ones. So it has been a lot of interesting conversations over the past month about who is still in the market spending, who is pausing spending, um, who is feeling things out and who is actively reallocating dollars. Um, by and large, it's, a, we, we kind of service two different type of uh, sales partner. Our media business is very media, our sports business is very media focused, right? It's a, a lot of, of media buying. Our esports business is almost exclusively sponsorship and content integration. So uh, for us, there's a little less of direct sales overlap um, because those tend to be different buyers. Right, you tend to have different guys who are looking for content activation than they are looking for pure media flighting. Um, that being said, there is a host of creativity around sales conversations now, unlike I've ever seen before, because agencies, media buyers, brands are all sorting through this just like everybody else. And those who have objectives and goals and budget to spend and no sports to spend against, yeah, they have to get really creative. Um, so yeah, there's a bunch of active conversations underway on our esports property, specifically with our esports series. Um, like we have a, an activation live right now with Grubhub, uh, where they're integrating into a bunch of our videos. Uh, we've 
you know, we've touched uh, across the spectrum and we've done uh, sales opportunities with um, publishers uh, like uh, Intersport around uh, Mortal Kombat video with Ubisoft around some Rainbow Six. Um, uh, we've done endemic partnerships like with guys like NVIDIA. And now we've started to finally crack the nut a little bit with some non-endemics like Grubhub. Um, so it's what we've seen, I'll talk about our esports sales um, a little bit specifically, we've had to do a, a fair amount of education around our offering um, because it's not necessarily that common in esports that you have a very large uh, VOD content opportunity. Um, normally these guys, when they're integrating, they're integrating into events uh, or they're integrating into streams uh, and influencers, but to be able to take um, a sponsorship opportunity and package it and integrate it into programmed VOD with scale um, has been a bit of a new conversation that we've been helping build and educate people into over the past year. Fortunately, the content performs so well, our, our you know people are discovering us and, and, and knowing about us um, and we're getting increasingly a, a good amount of inbound interest and not just outbound interest. Um, but by and large, what we're seeing was interestingly, it's a, it's a fairly new offering for a lot of buyers. Um, but it's coming, you know, uh, endemics, game pubs, uh, those are the first guys to really kind of uh, jump on. And now we're seeing a ton of non-endemic interest too. So um, uh, it's, I don't have any immediate action to say, you know, or any uh, immediate example of here was a guy that had budget allocated for March Madness. March Madness didn't happen and they brought it right over. Um, but there are very active conversations with a lot of those guys. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, with, with how quickly things have been changing, it's been a lot of conversations, not a ton of actionable deals, just because, you know, the brands that are doing this can't pivot that quickly, can't pivot an entire strategy. But it's cool to hear the conversations are starting because, you know, even after COVID, those conversations probably still continue. Something comes of some of them. Uh, so again, it's, these are things that were already happening in esports, non-endemic brands coming over, and it feels like COVID has just probably accelerated the look at a lot of uh, esports properties. Same with the betting world. I'm, I'm based out in Las Vegas and COVID has absolutely accelerated the way casinos and sports books are looking at esports. Hasn't necessarily materialized to them jumping full force into esports, but it's giving them a chance to really focus on something as sports are completely gone. It, well, look, we also so we were we also have a sports book. So we are the um, the only fully vertically integrated media and sports book operator in the country. Um, we're only live in New Jersey right now, but we're going to be rolling out uh, multi-state later this year with Indiana and Colorado. But that's been you're right. I mean, you see guys, states like Nevada where they they've spun up a whole bunch of uh, competitive gaming approved markets, right? Um, uh, so esports, I think, is probably you know if you'd asked me a couple months ago what's the trajectory of esports gambling in North America, I would say you're probably you know maybe a couple years out for that really to get to a level of maturity, right? Um, there's definitely interest in it. There's certainly interest in it in Europe and in Asia, but to really get to a place of maturity in North America, I think you're probably a little ways away. Uh, I think this is without question put a much bigger spotlight on on it and. You know, maybe that continues to escalate even quicker uh, or on a quicker path now um, once we emerge on the other side of uh, the COVID scenario. 
Yeah, it was in, it was incredibly interesting. To your point, I back in February I talked to uh, a player. I believe I was at Caesars, and I was just like, "Hey, you guys doing esports yet?" He just laughed at me. He was like, "No, no, we're not gonna. You know, maybe eventually. Like, there's conversations about it, but absolutely not. There's just not enough security. It's we're focused on all these other things." And I was like, "Okay, that's I guess that's fair." But yeah, to see how things have changed. Global pandemic shifts things pretty quickly. But yeah, Nevada was not really focused on esports much at all uh, prior to this. And that's changed a bit, but you know, still hasn't, you can't adopt anything that quickly, especially when you operate in a market like the betting world, as, uh, as I'm sure you're aware. A hundred percent, highly regulated. You have to make sure everything yeah. is buttoned up. Integrity is on point, right? Uh, but it does kind of speak to, um, I mean, it's, it's more a topic of conversation around our sports book offering, but fundamentally this notion of why people bet, right? And our, you know, our, our, our position, our belief around sports betting is that nobody bets in isolation, right? Nobody just bets to transact. They largely bet because it's part of a larger sports consumption experience, right? And mm-hmm. now that we are in this world where traditional sports are not on, there is a very limited amount of sports to bet on and people are starting to the visibility and the media consumption and the viewership around esports going up, doesn't surprise me that betting interest is now increasing. Right? I think it's you know if esports as a whole is seeing increased consumption, yeah, betting is a component of that. It's it's logical to me that people would have greater bet intent. Do I think all of a sudden people are going to fully understand League of Legends overnight if they hadn't before? No, probably not. There's going to be a learning curve, right? But uh, they're certainly watching more than they ever have now. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see how it develops again, what sticks once this eventually lifts. For sure. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit. You've got a really interesting event. We're recording this Thursday morning and you're hopefully listening to this before this event takes place. It's called Pros versus Plebs and it goes to support Coronavirus Relief Fund. Yep. I'll turn it over to you, let you run through it. What's this event? Where did it come from? And why did you feel like it was important to really create a charity event to do your part at this point? Yeah, uh, awesome. Thank you. So, um, yeah, so we are standing up an event tomorrow, um, 3 to 6 o'clock, um, on our Twitch channel and YouTube channel. And, yeah, the concept is pros versus plebs. And the idea, uh, it comes off of um, the fact that, you know, we've been – uh, fortunate we've seen nice growth on our YouTube channel. We're able to continue to, to grow and find audience there. Um, and just trying to get creative around, okay, well, how can we lean into our uh, strengths to maybe you know try to do something during these times that can help bring a little awareness, raise a little money uh, to support coronavirus-related uh, um, uh, causes? Uh, the idea that we came up with was, uh, you know, something that that has worked well for us is, is you know, we've been able to get pretty good community engagement and um, connect really well with pros and streamers who we've co- covered a subject matter. Um, and uh, we've been kicking around, you know, what does a streaming, how do we start to expand our offering into streaming? And so what we thought was, why don't we kind of marry a bunch of these efforts together, um, leverage our network, go get some pros and give our community, give our fans the opportunity to square off against them for charity. Um, so uh, the concept was, was just that, pros versus plebs. Um, we have uh, some amazing names out of the world of Rainbow Six for this event tomorrow. 
Um, the guys at Space Station Gaming are signed on. King George is signed on. And uh, basically, our, we're giving our audience the opportunity to square off against them in a three versus five um, to, to have the opportunity to compete. It's basically, uh, you have to come and make a, a $5 charitable contribution um, to uh, Global Giving, the Disaster Recovery Network Global Giving, to help, um, uh, help combat uh, uh, or help, help support coronavirus relief. Um, uh, $5 gets your name into an entry. We're doing two draws, one tonight, one tomorrow during the stream, where we're going to be pulling out contestants and letting them match up either as individuals, or if they want to come in with a squad, they're, they're able to, too. Uh, and then they get to go square up against these guys, three versus five, try to, try to stomp their favorite pro streamers. Um, you think that levels the playing field enough? Three versus five? I'm wondering. I'm not super. I've seen some competitions like this in Rocket League, and usually the pros still still win even when they about half the team is the other group. But I'm not sure. I know Rainbow Six is a very heavy strategy-based game. Is this, uh, is this a pretty fair competition in your eyes? We, like, I, I, we will see. I mean, look, if nothing else... You know, to be able to to match up against guys like King George and Canadian, I mean, literally, these are like we're talking about the the champions of of Rainbow Six, right? And uh, the best players in the game. Yeah, you're probably going to get stomped, right? But like, <laughs> if you can go up against them, like, there's some hopefully some entertainment value and to be able to square off against them. And look, maybe if you're a bit of a Rainbow Six player, you have you know you have a shot. I mean, look, the thought is if it's a 5v1, yeah, they're probably going to, you know, you're going to overwhelm these pros. Um, not 5v2, yeah, maybe a little bit 5v3. I, I don't know. To be determined, it'll be a fascinating thing tomorrow to see. The reality is, honestly, for us, a lot of this is Mitch is learning. Like we've, this is one of our first times standing up uh, a streaming play or one of our first times ever hosting an event um, and doing it all for charity. So, uh no idea really um hopefully if nothing else it's fun people have a good time they get a couple good they get a war story or two out of it um and and they're supporting a good cause you know but, I'd, uh, I'd pay five dollars to get dunked on by lebron james so yeah, I, right? I understand like that's, here. correct correct that's the kind of the premise right like it's um as, as much for the enjoyment of going up against these guys Though, you know, look, I've seen some, some comments and, and feedback come in where, uh, I mean, A, I think some people just want to see George rage against them, right? So I think some people are hoping for some fun antics out of it. But yeah, some people are cocky, man. Some people are pretty confident in their ability to take these guys on. So shoot your shot, guys. Come, come try to take down the Kings. It'll be really interesting to watch. And you mentioned how you're really getting into the streaming world a little bit. And I want to touch on that. YouTube has made a big play into, hey, we're going to focus on the live side, uh, paying $160 million for Activision yeah. Blizzard's Call of Duty. And Overwatch Leagues is a pretty big indicator that, hey, this is something we want to do. As a company that's focused on YouTube, so and I know this event is on Twitch as well, do you feel like this is a great time for the score to be getting into live streaming as well, given that, you know, you have 120 million or 1.2 million subscribers on YouTube already built in subscribers is now, is that giving you a, 
you know, a good kick to help get into the streaming game yourself? Yeah, I mean, certainly it's a it's an amazing base to try it into, right? It's um, the reality is like it's funny when we launched our YouTube channel, it took a lot of trial and error to get to the ultimate content strategy that is yielding success for us. Um, so we've learned a ton about how to engage with our audience, but streaming is, is net new. So, you know, it, it, it's probably going to take a ton of learnings for us to figure out what the right play is for us there. Uh, it certainly helps to have the base that we do off YouTube. Um, to, to lean into on it. I mean, our community is very active. They definitely tell us when they like our content, don't like our content. So we'll hopefully be able to get those learnings much, much, much quicker and test and, and, and iterate much, much, much quicker. Um, but I also think, look, it's, it's, uh, I like the idea of us building a multi-platform strategy, right? I think we, what we learned very quickly with our, with our, with our esports overarching strategy, going back to even before we had a, our, our video presence, was it's you're, you're going to have to fish where the fish are, and you know from a streaming perspective, Twitch is still, you know, Twitch still dominates. Um, so I think it would be foolish of us to not start to build the Twitch presence as we build our streaming footprint. Um, but equally, you can't ignore. There's no reason for us to not leverage and lean into and sub provide our streaming content for our YouTube audience. So how that builds and how that platform strategy evolves between YouTube and Twitch and look, who knows, right? I mean, we're now living in an era where there's more, it's basically, it's, it's been the streaming wars for the past six months, right? Mixers come in, Facebook's put like making a push. Um, I, I, I think that's still today for me, you know, streaming, you, Twitch dominates streaming, YouTube dominates VOD if you're in esports and gaming. Um, we have a large YouTube footprint, so let's leverage that and let's, let's lean into Twitch. Um, but yeah, I think who knows, man, there's going to be so much trial and error as we start to put our toe in the water and streaming. Definitely. But Hey, I mean, for all the people starting streaming publications, starting streaming channels, it's hard to imagine many more have a, uh, have a platform like 1.2 million people watching esports video content already. So Compared to everybody else that wants to get into streaming, it feels like the score is in a pretty decent place to leverage those audiences and drive pretty immediate viewership of, of streams. So Yeah, look, we feel very grateful for the audience we have, and they will bring us a ton of learnings. Um, um, yeah, they, they aren't shy about telling you what they like and what they don't like. And in fact, it's one of my favorite things about marketing in esports is, I've talked to a couple brands about this, is you get instantaneous reaction to your ad, your activation, whatever it may be, uh, whether positive or negative, you don't have to wait for metrics to come back. You don't have to do any guessing. You just get an immediate feed of, oh, wow, this is great, or oh, wow, I hate this, uh, which is which is valuable. Even if it's bad, it's valuable to get that data from the jump and completely unfiltered. So it's, uh, it's scary well, for some brands. I know they're nervous about scary. it. Right. And that's why it takes a lot of handholding into it for, for a lot of brands too. And that's actually, that, that's the selling point that we try to lever, right? Is that, look guys, um, this community is, they are vocal, right? And, you know, I mean, authenticity is the most thrown around and, and of course, but uh, it's true, but, but there, look, it, it, there is some truth to it. It, it. You have to know, you, you have to be able to speak to them uh, a certain way. And that's going to be different depending on the channel you're activating through. And so if we're going to help you bring a message to our audience, 
let us really help you figure out how to package your whatever that message is you're looking to deliver into a content vehicle where that can actually resonate um, because it doesn't benefit you or benefit us right if we ham like if we ham fist and force a message in that's going to make our content suck and not perform and give a bad look for you as a brand right so fortunately um, you know there's been a ton of education I obviously want more brands and, and more sponsors uh, always. Um, but I think the ones that have come on board with us, we've been able to outperform and over deliver on all of them, um, which is basically just saying that our content has, has, uh, has outperformed, which means we've done the right things to integrate the message the right way into those content pieces. Um, it's cool. I really enjoy the esports audience because it is very welcoming to brands. Again, throwing around authenticity, uh, but there's been some examples in the past. I, one of my favorite episodes of this podcast was with Paul Brewer, the VP of Brand Partnerships for ESL. And he talked about this time when they were doing a DHL activation or commercial and the fans were chanting DHL, DHL. And he's like, this, I looked around and he came from the sports world. And he's like, this would never happen in a sports arena. There's so much brand numbness that, you know, that's kind of like the gold standard moment for a brand at a sporting event to have the fans chanting the name of your brand. It's so foreign to anyone who comes from the sports world that it just sort of capitalizes or it encapsulates the esports op opportunity for brands because there's been so few of them in the space, or at least major brands in the space over time that if you come in, you do it right, you embrace the esports scene, you embrace the meme, uh, you're going to have pretty insane engagement with the esports audience uh, and again it all comes down to you know trusting esports companies be it esl be it the score be it uh all the esports organizations bmw just partnered with and they're just letting them produce the content uh taking a hands-off approach letting them reach the esports audience has proven to be very successful for marketers yeah it's, it's so it's it's funny that like so paul's paul's a buddy and we know the esl guys well and when we launched our esports offering four or five years ago, it wasn't a video play at all. We had launched initially as a mobile centric, as a mobile app focused on news and scores. And our thought was that's what we do in sports really well. Nobody's really offering this in esports. That's what we can provide. We can leverage our tech stack, leverage our tech, tech capabilities and cover esports the same way we cover traditional sports. Um, we ended up pivoting away from that because we found video to be a much more successful strategy for a lot of reasons. Um, for us, but at the time when we had our app where our app product, ESL was one of our large marketing partners. We went to them and I partnered with Paul and they would help promote the score esports in their broadcast. And to your point about leaning into the meme, like we learned very quickly about how we messaged ourselves as a marketing company, not as the content company uh, or as the marketing partner. Um, it became almost mimetic that machine uh, would be commentating and would be doing his on-air throws to go download the score esports uh, to the point where it almost became like a, a bit of a joke with him. And we sent him like, a, we, I think we sent him a score esports award. Um, we just had to lean into like the fact that like uh, how the audience had been, was responding to our integrations in their broadcast. And we found a lot of success by leaning in and rolling with it. Um, if you're attuned to it, there's a ton of opportunity as a brand. Right. If you're flexible, you're willing to find the right creative path in, rely on the partners to help guide you. Yeah, I mean, uh, a ton. Uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun um, learning that. 
I love any uh, any space where the gold standard for marketing is embrace the meme. That's just right? as a marketer, as somebody who enjoys marketing and advertising, that's the kind of space I want to be in. Where it's yeah. like, okay, they're gonna meme us. Uh, the world's last last uh, November in Paris was a great example with Mastercard uh, sponsoring Cap's dad, which was the, mm-hmm. the meme of the tournament, and it was you know so cool to see massive company like mastercard understand the space and be willing to to roll with the jokes that the space creates and and is working with and then just a very successful partnership on all fronts it it feels like so uh really an interesting space in esports and i i love covering it and talking about it day in and day out yeah it is like uh, it's a wild industry man i mean it's it's (laughs) Yeah, look, I, I love it. Uh, our guys, uh, fortunately, we have an amazing team. These guys love it. They know uh, more about any specific game team or player than uh, I've, I've, you know, like growing up, I was a hockey fan, a basketball fan. The knowledge base that our guys have uh, in esports blows my mind. Um, and, 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 you know, fortunately that we're able to, create content that we love and it's found an audience and it's uh it's cool it's really cool and we'll see how the the streaming world works really excited for the event tomorrow three to six o'clock eastern time i believe i believe so yep yeah that's right three to six p.m eastern time twitch and youtube uh three versus five the five (laughs) plebs depending on their rank in rainbow six probably still getting dunked on though so if you want to see some smurf for charity uh, <laughs> we'll see maybe if it's getting too brutal maybe we'll ask one of the pros to tap out for a couple of rounds and uh tip the scales back but yeah who knows it really depends on just how good the the people are and how are you choosing the the five people that get to play uh, we're drawing names so okay. if you if you make the five dollar contribution uh, or at least five dollars we'll welcome any contribution size um then you get put into a draw. Uh, one draw is going to happen this evening. Another draw is happening on stream tomorrow. And once we pull names, you're notified. Um, we queue you up. And um, if you're an individual, we'll, we'll pair you up with a bunch of other players. If you're a squad, um, we'll round you out if need be, or we'll, we'll uh, throw all five of you in. Um, and uh, you'll, you'll get your shot. It'll certainly be fun to watch, and it's all for a good cause. So, you know, if you're going to get stomped on by Smurfs, at least they're world champions, and at least you help donate to a worthy cause. Uh, Compared to the normal ranked life, it's a way better experience. (laughs) Correct. That's the thinking. Well, thank you for joining the show, Aubrey. I want to give you one last chance to shout out if you want to plug your own socials, you want to plug the score socials. I think we've talked about this event, but uh, yeah, plug anything else that you want to talk about. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll throw all the love towards the event. So um, pl- tomorrow, three to six, guys, please come, please donate. Um, all proceeds are going towards charity. Uh, um, uh, Scory Sports on Twitch, Scory Sports at YouTube. Um, follow us also, Twitter, uh, Facebook, everywhere else. But um, come check it out. If you're not if, if you're not lucky enough that you get drawn to play or you don't even want to play because you don't want to get into the, the, the world of pain that might be awaiting you with our bros, um, come watch, donate, engage. Our, we're going to have our guys um, hosting it and commentating. Um, we may have some guests uh, pop in, some conversations underway today, tomorrow for some other uh, um, 
notable characters from the world of, of R6. Um, so yeah, come and check it out, contribute, donate, and um, hope to see you at the stream. It'll be fun to make sure to follow the score on Twitch and on YouTube, man, just to be ready for any more live streaming opportunities they have in the future. Thanks again, Aubrey. It was great talking to you. Yeah, likewise, Mitch. I really appreciate it, man. Take care.